we got a um, love week coming up real soon. We'll be talking about that some next week, and uh, so we're going to have a great time. Hey, let me welcome you to the Harbor Worship Center. I'm Mike Sains, the lead pastor here, and we're delighted to see you here in God's house today. What an incredible crowd. Can we just give it up for this young generation? <laughs> Amen. What an incredible time uh, of worship we had, and God just really blessed us, and um, you know, if, if, if we don't reach this generation, this millennial generation, we're in trouble. Because what you need to know beyond anything else today is that that generation hangs in the balance right now. They're hanging in the balance. There was a time that I, too, hung in the balance. And there was a fellow by the name of John Sains just a Pentecostal preacher, got saved when he was an 11-year-old boy, called to preach the gospel. When he gave his heart and life to the Lord and Savior, he trusted him with everything. Had to quit school in the seventh grade to go to work to help feed his family. Mom and daddy, both alcoholics, and uh, trying to look after children, take care of them. But he come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Savior. And from that very early age, began to serve the Lord and began to seek the Lord. When he got married and had children, he made sure that we were raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And did we hang in the balance? Yeah, he could have just let us go. He could have let us go to our own choosings and whatever. But he made sure that we were exposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he make sure that we were exposed to it, he made sure that he lived it out in front of us. So I want to talk with you today, if God would help me, and um, I want to read a little bit of Benson's commentary for just a second. I don't normally do this, but I thought I, it's a commentary on Judges chapter 2, and particularly verse number 10. And he speaks of Joshua. Let me give you a little background. Joshua was the successor of Moses. Joshua was that generation coming behind Moses. Joshua hung out with Moses and he, he went to church with Moses and he stayed there at the tent of meeting, they called it, when everybody else had already gone home and Moses stayed before the Lord. Joshua was hanging out with him. And there come a time in Moses' life when God said to him, he said, I want you to bring Joshua, the son of Nun, and I want you to lay your hands upon him, and I'm going to take a portion of the Spirit of God that rests on you, and I'm going to move it over to Joshua. What he's saying is, I'm going to transfer this anointing from your generation to this generation. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, we're at a point right now that, you know, my dad passed that anointing. I saw him live it out. I heard his stories I watched him sacrifice. I watched him give. I watched him work in the church. I watched him be hurt at church and work through it. Wow, that was a great place for an amen. I, I saw all of that stuff, but he taught me one thing, and that is you serve God regardless what anybody else does. You give to God regardless what anybody else does. You trust God regardless what anybody else does. And that's what I want to tell this young generation, this next generation, that those same things, you trust God, you believe God. Now I'm going to challenge you of my generation right now for you and I to show them how to do it. 
I believe it is our responsibility. Let me read this commentary before we get too far. He said, all of the generation that were gathered to their fathers, not only those who had beheld the works of God in Egypt and wilderness, they understand Moses had passed it on to Joshua, Moses died, and then Joshua served the Lord, and all of his generation served the Lord, those that were connected to him, but something strange happened to the children. Watch this. He says, they had beheld the wonderful works of God in Egypt and in the wilderness, and they saw the Jordan dry up and the walls of Jericho fall down. They saw the sun stand still in the word of Joshua, uh, at the word of Joshua, and the enemies overwhelmed with hailstones and all of this, which had created such impressions in their heart, and they generally continued in the service of God while they lived, and they kept their others in obedience to God. And then he says, and we'll talk about this text in a moment, there arose a generation after them who knew not the Lord nor the works which he had done in Israel, which had no serious affection for the knowledge of God or for his works. I make that statement today that, my friends, I, this generation, these millennials, hang in the balance today, and it is up to you and I who are older it is up to the previous generations for you and I to make sure that this generation does not fail. We cannot let them go. Now, let me dive into this headlong, if I may. In Joshua chapter 24, uh, I, there's just a couple things I, I'll show you here. In, verse, in chapter 24, verse 14, the Bible said Joshua was telling the people, he reminds them, that God went before you and he drove out the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites. And God done these things and you lived in houses that you didn't have to build with your own hands. And you ate from vineyards that you didn't have to plant with your hands. And God said, I provided for you and I took care of you. He said, but some of you have entertained the gods of the other side. Some of you have entertained the gods on the other side of the Euphrates. He said, and God forbid that we should serve another God. So Joshua was called them all together. He's having a come to Jesus meeting, if you will. And he says this, throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates and over in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves today whom you're going to serve. Whether you serve the gods of your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates or the god of the Amorites in the land that you're living. Uh, but as for me and for my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I want to challenge everyone here, and especially you brothers today, that lead your family as you ought to, the priest of your home and the man of the house. Joshua said this, if you want to serve the gods on the other side of the Euphrates, do it. If you want to serve the god of the Amorites in whose land you live, do it. But I've made a decision for me and my house, all that's called by the name of Joshua, they shall serve the Lord as long as they're in my house. So my friends, it's up to you and I to show them the way. And then the Bible said, then the people answered and said, far be it from us to forsake the Lord and to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents out of Egypt and from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. And he protected us in our entire journey among all the nations which we traveled. However, it wasn't long. They forgot the God 
that brought them out of Egypt. They forgot all of that. So it's a challenge. Let me say this. It is possible to lose a generation. I grew up in a time when it was not an option for me to go to church. Man, you might even get slapped if you suggested I get to stay home from church today. I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm just saying that's, that's the way it was. But, but church was not uh, something that I could choose to or not. You say, well, I don't want to mess with their ability to choose do they get to choose to go to school? No, because a truant officer will come to your house and they'll put you in jail if you don't send them. Because why? We don't want them to grow up a babbling idiot. We want them to be educated. We want them to learn something. Are, are you still, so, so they won't let you just keep your kids home. you got to go to school. And as the priest of the home and as, as the leader of our homes, mom and dad, I challenge you to say, you don't got no option when it comes to church. You're going to go to the church that me and mom feel like God would have us be a part of. That's loving them. And if you have to encourage them sternly to get out of bed, that's loving them. Now, let's move on. So I took pride when I was growing up. I learned the books of the Bible. I learned the names of the books. And I can remember my dad preaching. And I, 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 went, I was drug all over the place to listen to him preach because he was an evangelist. And I heard all his stories. And, man, I, I knew when he started his introduction where he was going tonight. And I've heard this story. And I'd be sitting on the edge of my seat because, you know, I could follow the story along, you know. And, but I remember him telling the story, not just in the church house, but I remember him telling us the stories of God's provision. You know, I, I'll never forget there was a time when he hurt his back and he was out of work for months and months. They told him he'd never walk again. God miraculously healed him. I'll never forget seeing it in the Sanford Road Assembly of God in Phoenix City, Alabama, when Leon Comer laid his hands on him and his leg just miraculously grew an inch and a half. How it happened, I don't know, but I was standing there, and he don't never walk with a limp, and God has blessed him immensely. But during that time, he was out of work. We ended up on food stamps, and man, did I hate having to go buy some groceries with some food stamps. I wanted Mama to give me some money. I didn't want to go in there with no booklet, because nowadays, you got the peach card, and it just looked like a credit card. Nobody knows no different. But back then, son, they had to open that booklet up and flip them through the pages, you know, and get a, come on, tear them all out, and everybody knew you were poor. Right? So I remember doing that. I had one elderly lady one time when she saw me paying with a jug of, you know, for a jug of milk with a food stamp, she reached over and handed me $5. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, so we were in bad shape. Six months, dad's out of work. There's no money coming in amount to anything. There wasn't a whole lot coming in when he was working, but now it's bad. And thank God for the church that stepped in and helped our family at that time. But I won't never forget, bills were piling up and piling up, and my dad had done got that attitude that man, I might as well just Fred Sanford, just put them back in the box, you know. <laughs> Ain't no money to pay them, just put them back in the box. And uh, so, but, but, he threw something in the trash, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, get that out. He got it out, and it looked, it looked ragged. It looked dirty. And he opened that envelope up, and there was a check from a man in prison. Isn't it amazing? He had run a revival. He had preached a message to a guy who had gotten saved, who, has, who was on trial for forging checks because of a drug habit, and he'd done all this stuff. But in jail, he met a millionaire that was there for tax evasion. And he told him the story of this evangelist that now he's hurt his back and he's out of work and he, he don't have the money to pay his bills and whatever. And that man wrote him a check to carry us for a few months. 
He told those kind of stories, and I learned the provision of God. You see, uh, I remember my grandmother telling me about the stories of God protecting her, you know. And I remember the provision that, that God uh, has made just over and over again. And I wish I had time to tell you, but I must move on. Let me say this. It is important for you to, to, uh, to know that this generation hangs in the balance because we cannot afford to lose my children and your children. I'm not okay with going to heaven while my children and grandchildren go to hell. Amen? I'm not okay having somebody taught me, but yet I don't teach somebody. It's not all right for me. And you know, I, I was in the Harbor Leadership Academy the other night, and Brother Troy Johnson, uh, it was his assignment to give the devotion that night, and he began to tell the story. And he talked about faith, and he told us about how a few years ago he was stabbed, I think he said 31 times or some crazy number like that, and how he thought he was going to die and all this. But he told the story of God's provision for him, and I thought to myself, man, what an impression that'll make on a grandchild. What an impression that'll make on a young convert that God sustained me for something. So, uh, so what I need you to do, well, I'm going to tell you in just a second, but let me read this text for you, if I may. In, in Judges chapter 2, verse 7 through 10, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great things of the Lord, what he had done in Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Ares, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaish. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. There is the possibility that if we don't engage, that a generation will be lost without God. I, I think back to my days, and I'll date myself right here, but back to Top Gun. I was in the military when Top Gun come out. I'll never forget it, but I can't. I can remember that bald-headed commander on the boat telling uh, one of the, the crewmen that was, they were fighting the Russian MiGs, and he was saying, engage, engage. In other words, don't hightail at home. Don't run from the bogey. Turn and engage him. And I'm saying that you and I must engage this generation or we will lose them. We cannot just say, well, I ain't listening to that kind of music. I don't like these lights. That ain't church my way. Hey, it ain't about having church my way. I ain't got to have it like this either. Hey, I've been saved a long time. I can sit on a drink crate and preach to you sitting on a bar stool if I have to. I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with a generation dying and going to hell because i got to have it my way. I want you to understand something. It is about the mission and not the model. I said this the other day, and I don't know if you got it, but think about it. Years ago, the mission was transportation to get from point A to point B. Well, when Henry Ford created uh, the Ford Model T, uh, guess what? It was still from point A to point B, you know? Uh, but be before that, something else had happened. You know what the model was? Horse and buggy. Or before that, you just walked. 
but it was horse and buggy. And then all of a sudden, the Model T came. But you had to buy it in black because he wouldn't build it in no other color. But then he decided, hey, people want other colors, so we'll build it in blue and red and whatever else. And the mission was getting from point A to point B. The model was horse and buggy. Then let me say this. The mission for you and I is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see sinners lost that come to Jesus Christ. And that mission is still the same today, whether we have iPads. I had somebody say, they asked one of uh, my folks when they said, your preacher preach from a Bible or an iPad. Here's what I want you to know. I got more Bibles right here than you could put on a bookshelf across that whole wall. Amen. I got more commentaries and everything right here at my fingertips than you could imagine. As if, in other words, that person would slam somebody else. And I'm not of the young generation, just younger than this person. <laughs> but somehow I'm not spiritual. But you know, I got enough leather-bound Bibles in my office. You can go by and touch one if that's what it, you know, if it does for you. You know, and I love that. Don't get me wrong. But do you realize I could be somewhere and I've got an entire bookshelf of every commentary you could dream? I've got access to everything, right? I'm saying the model has to change. The mission does not. Why did we build this? Let me say, you don't have a problem with changing models because some of you bought a new Lexus, a new Land Rover, a new Cadillac, a new S10, or a new this, or, and you don't mind that. And you're all, you're all about having air conditioning now because the models changed. It used to be the 260, two windows down, 60 mile an hour. But now you've got a good air conditioning system, and you probably don't want to leave it. The mission is still to get you from point A to point B, but the model sure has changed. And some of y'all said, Amen. So, you see, so, so what, have, what have I got to get you to do? What is it that I need you to do today? I need you to engage this generation. How, Pastor, how do I do it? You can mentor somebody that is younger than you. you, you what are your stories? Let me ask you. What is your story? Who have you shared it with? If all they hear are... Y'all buckle your seatbelt real tight for just a second. It's going to get real tight for just a moment. If all they hear is your bad negative, disgruntled stories where they didn't play my music at that church. Pastor don't preach spiritual, preaches from an iPad. Uh, you know, they don't understand me. If all they hear is you're negative and you're bad, they will identify everything at the house of God with your negative and your bad. Be mature enough to say, you know what? The model's changed, but the mission is still the same. They might think they're coming because they can pump it up and hands to the sky and hands to the feet and dance around and all this stuff that you're doing. Hey, guess what? Jesus Christ comes into their heart and takes up a boat there, and they're headed to heaven and not to hell, and that's the mission anyway. So, uh, I got just a news flash. Life is not always fair. But God is always faithful. Now, if somebody's on Twitter, that'd be a good tweet for you right there. Pastor saying that life is not always fair, but God is always faithful.
Listen, he's faithful to me when I've been offended. He's faithful when I've been hurt. He's faithful when I didn't get my way. He's still God and he's still faithful. So let me ask you this. What has God done in your life that is spectacular? And if he has done something, have you told somebody about it? Have you told your grandson about it? Have you told your granddaughter about it? Have you told your children about it? This next generation has got to see the glorious God. You see, when they come out of, uh, man, where's time going? When they come out of the river, Moses said, go back and get a stone, each one of you, so that when your children walk by here and say, what does these stones mean? Somebody can say, this is where God brought us through a river too deep. But he parted the waters, and we walked through on dry ground. This is where God made provision for us. So here's what you can do. Here's what I can do. You can give to their events. You can cheer them on. You can tell them you believe in them. You can give to their cause. You can champion them. You can give them the love and the support they need. Hey, guess what? Forward Con is coming. If somebody says, well, you know, I ain't got no children. Invest in this generation. Pay for somebody to go to Forward Con. Hello? Youth camp's coming up in the summer. Sponsor a kid to go that can't afford to go. Listen, a church that will care for their children is a church with a legacy, a church that will sow into the lives of their children. It's not just enough to say I'm part of a great church and we really do a great job with our kids, but what are we personally doing for this generation? I'm thankful for a church that, you know, I, I can't, it is, it would blow your mind if I told you what, what, what we're throwing into kids' ministry, driven ministries, all of this, and in the church in general right now, just before Easter. I'll just reserve my remarks till after because it'll blow your mind. But it, it's great to be part of a church that's on the move. But if I'm not doing something personally, if I'm not personally telling my story, why? You see, if we quit telling our stories of victory, if we quit telling our stories of provision, if we quit telling our stories of sacrifice, a generation will rise up that does not know God. A generation will rise up that don't know the Lord that you and I know. If we don't sow into them, did you know one of the things that we're going to do on Love Week? Just one of the things we're going to do on Love Week. Melinda's contacted the, the rec department and all that, but just one of the things we'll do is provide a snack for every kid in the county on their first game. You know, just to say, hey, we're here. Give them a card. Want you to know we love you. And the coach moms and all the team moms and all that, just take a day off. We're just going to love on them. Let them know we love them. That's just one thing. Because we do love them. And I know some of them's got home churches, and we're not trying to get nobody from their home church for heaven's sake. I don't need no more church people. I need lost people. <laughs> Mentor someone. Coach them. It doesn't mean that when we provide a place of worship for lost kids and lost generation, I mean, that generation that's like, born, uh, I don't know, 25 and down, somewhere in that ballpark is what I'm talking about. Man, we're in trouble if we don't reach them. And sometimes it's hard to reach them. You know, uh, that's just the way it is. Because here's one of the expectations of the church. Let me do something real quick. How many, if you're here and you're 25 and down, let me see your hand. 25 and down. 
Can I, can I just impose upon y'all? Just come and stand across the front right here. One, two, three, all of you, come on right now. If you're 25 or down, come on, let's get on with it. Just come on down and face the congregation. I'll tell you something. I'll guarantee you all of them wasn't raised in the church. All of them wasn't raised in church. All of them don't know how to act churchy. You know, when, when, when people come in here, we got to understand that, that they are where they are because the Spirit of the Lord reached out to them. I heard a great pastor say one time he had this kid, I mean, young kid in his church, and he came to the church, and it was kind of like ours, only on a lot bigger scale, and they had video games, and they had all these things, and I had somebody ask me a few years ago when we redone Pure One, what has them video games got to do with Jesus? I said, absolutely nothing except that those kids are going to want to come and play them before church or during a five-minute segment in church, and they're going to get to hear Jesus when they're there. Now, I mean, they monitor which ones. But this guy, he, was, he had these nice games, and this kid come in. And man, he, was, he got introduced to this game, and he said, This S-H-I-T is tight. I mean, he screamed it out. This is tight. And some of the, the sweet sisters of the church like to fell out as they... But when you're asking God to send you kids from the world, listen, they don't know the stories. They haven't heard. They've not been exposed. And we can't expect them to act like a 30-year veteran Christian. So you've got to have some love there and some tolerance. Let me, let me go on. I need to, you see, sometimes we're too hard on them. Sometimes we're not hard enough. But what is it that you and I can do? I'm glad you asked. Here's a card. Everybody's got it. You just take that card with me right now. In your seat, there's a card that says, I'll help make a difference. It says, helping the next gen win. I don't know about you, but I want to see this generation right here on fire for God. I want to see them on fire for God. So there's a place right there where you can put your name and your phone number, your email address. And there's some boxes that says, I'll support the next gen financially. I don't know what that might be. I, I'm not even receiving an offering right now. If you want to give, obviously we'll, we'll accept it. But I'm not trying to do that. But I'll, I'll financially support the next gen. I'll pray for them daily. I'll serve in Harbor Kids or nurseries. Or, or I would even say, uh, there it is right below it. I'll serve in the Driven Student Ministry. That's the teenagers. I'll do something. I'll make a difference in this generation in the kingdom of God as I said before to scare you what it takes to make it happen but as long as there's life in me and blood in my body we're going to make it happen because I'm not okay with going to heaven and watching them miss it I want to do my part I want to do my part to expose them to Jesus Christ I'm going to ask you to stand with me and I want you to stretch your hands toward this generation right here. And I want us to pray for them. And that's how we'll close this service. I want you to take that card. I want you to think about it. Do something with it today because if you lay it down, you'll forget it. And it'll be gone forever. Do something with that card. You can turn it in the Connection Center uh, just outside the doors. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this generation right here that is at the platform. They're right here at the altar. Lord, I'm asking that your spirit would touch them right now. 
What a beautiful generation. What a wonderful group of young people. Lord, you said despise not thy youth. Lord, touch this young generation. And God, touch this church. Lord, that we as a church will provide that safe place, that we'll provide that environment, that we will even challenge the thoughts of those who feel like we don't need to reach them and that we shouldn't go to every length possible to try to reach them. Help us to be the church that says we're going to love them. We're going we're gonna to correct them when they're wrong, but we're going to love them into heaven. We're going to see them accept Jesus Christ. We're going to see them become evangelists. We're going to see them become pastors. We're going to see them become missionaries, good husbands, good wives. We're going to see them being the priest of their home and those who are leading people to love the Lord God with all their heart. We're going to see them learn the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for touching this generation. I proclaim that they will not be a lost generation, but they will be a generation that serves the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.